The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello, Dope Village. I'm Julie. She's Len. We are Laughter Permitted. Thanks for listening in and joining our party. Hey, Len. Jules, I am pumped for who's joining the party today. <laughs> ah, feeling is mutual. Our guest is hockey rock star Kendall Coyne Schofield. And let me start here. I absolutely love how much she cares. She cares about the next gen. She cares about the future of her sport. She cares about ensuring it is going to be better. And then, remarkably, which doesn't happen happen always, she does something about it. She works so very hard, which you'll understand more when you hear our conversation and a bit of background on Kendall. She is a three-time Olympic medalist. She won gold in 2018, silver in 2014 in Sochi, and silver at this last Olympics in Beijing. She is the current U.S. women's ice hockey captain and a new author. Yes, her book is called As Fast As Her. Check that out. Get it if you can. Kendall is also the president of the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, PWHPA, as she references in the podcast, which is essentially a group of players, actually the top players who came together from all over globally to launch a new women's pro hockey league. And on top of still playing with the U.S. team, she is the first female player development coach for the NHL's Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, and she's also an owner with the Chicago Red Stars of the NWSL. (sighs) If you think that's a lot, that's because it is. The woman is a superhero. So get comfortable listening. It's Kendall Coyne Schofield. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives and truly We've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by... Watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV by going to women's sporting events in person by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. How's it going? Hi, darling. How are you guys? Great. Can I just say, it's so nice to see you, Kendall. <laughs> it's so nice to see you guys too. I mean, it's been like, what, three or four years since I know. Megan and I have been on the mm-hmm. pod? Yeah, we 2019. Missed... Yeah, we were, where were we? We were in the hotel. We were in New York or California. God, that's three years. Holy cow. That was well, New that York was actually for like the 300 women... years ago because it was pre-COVID. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was uh, fall of 2019 for the Women's Sports Foundation Gala, and you and Megan were there. Megan was pregnant. 
Yes, with George. Or who we now know as George. I don't think we knew it was George at the time. But <laughs> I think we knew it was a boy. Yeah. And, yes, yes. And then we were yeah. we recorded in your hotel room. We were in real life together. I know. Aww. Not over a damn Zoom. <laughs> with donuts. Oh, we did have donuts. I got Dunkin' Donuts that day. That's true. Yes. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. Um, okay, Kendall, the first thing we do, as you know, is we set the scene. So where are you? What you're doing? All those things. <laughs> okay. So I'm in Orland Park, Illinois. This is where I live uh, full time. And right now I'm working full time with the Chicago Blackhawks in player development and youth hockey. I'm yeah. also currently back in in the weight room, uh, getting back into, into shape after taking quite a quite a break after the Olympics. I haven't been back on the ice as a player yet. I've been on the ice as a coach quite a bit, but not as a player. Uh, and I plan on doing that within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Kendall, we are not going to go into great detail on the Olympics, except to say, damn Canada, because not only in hockey, soccer. How about soccer too? Did you yeah. see they won it in, in, uh, in soccer? I sure <gasps> did. Yeah. Uh, what's going yeah. on? Well, we're taking over. We can't yeah. let that happen. We got to get back to work. We got to learn from it and, you know, find a way to get back on top. It definitely stings. Um, you know, for our team, we go to the Olympics. It's it's gold or bust. That's what we work for. We don't work for silver. We work for gold. So coming back from Beijing with a silver, you know, it, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, whether it's, you know, you're on the team four years ago or this was your first um, everyone knows the standard and the expectation is a gold medal. So when you don't meet that standard, you don't meet that expectation. Um, you know, it sits with you, but I think it sits with you in, in a way that nothing else can, and it motivates you and fuels you. Um, you know, I went through it in 2014 when I was a little bit younger. Now I'm a little bit older. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, I think that still stings as, as much, yeah. right? Oh. Yeah, it still stings, but I will say winning in 2018, it alleviated some of that, that sting. To, uh -huh. per se. Um, and I will say, you know, at losing this time around that sting is, is back. And I feel like it's like a hundred bee stings, not just like hmm. 50 <laughs> going through it a second time. Oh, really? So because 2014, the way that one went down where, if I recall this correctly, I remember it being such an emotional night. I was covering it there in, in Sochi, but you guys were up, right? And then lost it at the at the very end. I don't mean to take you back to 2014, but I remember that one. So I was surprised by it stung twice as much with this one. Yeah. That one was gut, soul crunching. Yes. We were up two goals with three minutes and 36 seconds left. You know, the, the plan is to to shut it down is to whether you you trap them, you know, you sit back, you, you don't let them get pucks in and you play a little bit passively. But we... Um, yeah, we let them come back 2-2. We went into overtime. We took a penalty. They scored on the power play 3-2, game over, gold medal there. So, uh, yeah, that was a quick turn of events that was, you know, emotional. And But that those are the way finals go. You know that. Um, you know, they're they're always eventful. They're, there's, they're always theatric. There's drama. And I think, you know, when I look back at, um, you know, a few months ago in this game, you know, what I'll, what I'll always um, regret and would wish we could take back, of course, the result that anyone would say that, but I think is our start. Um, every elite athlete knows you have to start on time. You have to have a good start. You can recover from a bad start, but when you're in Olympic final, when you're in, you know, in the final of any sport, uh, a tough start is really hard to recover because there's a reason yeah. you're in the final. The other team is equally as good as you. Um, and that start really hurt us. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. On a happier note. Someone's got a book. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, fellow VIA, very important <laughs> author. Uh, your book was released in January. It's called As Fast As Her. Congratulations. That's so rad. I see you on your book tours. I see you with these cute photos with all these girls around you. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so what inspired you to write this book? What motivated you? So when I was a kid, of course, you do book projects. And I remember always looking for a book with 
a woman in hockey. I always did a lot of book projects on, on hockey players, but it was really, really hard to find ones that had women and hockey in the same book. Mm. And so I remember reading Angela Ruggiero's book, Breaking the Ice. I probably have it on my bookshelf <laughs> over there somewhere. Um, I read that book quite often and I did mm-hmm. a lot of book projects. I got a better grade every time, um, <laughs> but, but it was really the only, like when I was a kid, it was, I remember that book and I remember Manel Riam's Alone in Front of the Net. So there were really those two books I remember turning to, and I would always wish there was more. I love to read. I love reading athletes' stories. I love reading people's stories, um, but specifically athletes and what can I learn from their story that, that I can apply to my journey or could help me or some of the obstacles and the adversities that they've faced. And maybe I'm facing similar ones. And so I really looked for those books because I wasn't seeing women's hockey on TV. That's for sure. When I was a kid, um, I didn't see it, you know, until I was six when the 98 Olympics, um, took place. And so I don't really remember much of, of those games, um, in itself, but I I remember seeing the players after, as you know, but, um, so anyways, it was, you know, just looking for more books. So when I, when I started to write down some goals and dreams that I have writing a book was one of those. And Mm. I think, because I remember the impact that the, those books, those two books had on me, I I know the impact that the visibility of, of women in hockey has had on me. And I think putting that all into a book, some of the stories, uh, the experiences, the obstacles, the adversities, I have faced to get to where I am today. They're really relatable to, to people in, in all walks of life, not just hockey um, and a lot of young people as well. And, and so I thought my story could maybe encourage someone to follow their dreams. Like I wasn't born to play hockey. I wasn't, my parents didn't play hockey. They stumbled upon a rink in my hometown and um, the rest is history, you know, and um, there weren't many girls playing hockey there. You know, there's not many people in the role I am today as a player development coach. Um, There weren't as many broadcasters, you know, when I started a few years back. And um, so I think there's a lot of things that I've done along the way where people are like, oh, were you the first or you're the, you're only one of few. And that's relatable to so many people in, in, in life. Um, and I think there's a lot of takeaways from my story that I thought, and I hope can inspire others. And, and so I was just starting to write things over years, like down on paper, stories from my childhood that I thought they impacted me in a, in a unique way. And I thought oh, they could impact others. And, and so, so you, you actually had that in mind of, I'm going to actually document these little moments when they're happening. Yes. And I think the, ah. the, the special part about writing the book was sitting down with my parents and seeing how I remembered it, seeing how they remembered it, especially when I was young. And they, they protected me from a lot of naysayers, from a lot of people who said, you don't belong in hockey. You don't belong in baseball. You shouldn't play this sport, go play sports that normal girls play. And I didn't realize maybe how much I leaned on them and how much they supported me and how much their voice in my head was, was overriding all of the negative voices in my head and, and not in my head, just everywhere around me to to do Uh. what I love. I want to hug your folks right now. I'd hug them through the screen if I could. (laughs) Well, part of your story is the epic NHL All-Star Skills Competition back in 2019. And in our last podcast episode, it was not too long after that moment. And uh, you were the first woman to compete in the NHL All-Star Skills Competition, the fastest skater competition. If you have not seen this video, Dope Village, Google it. I watched it. GTS it. Yes. I watched it before we got on together. And without fail, every time I watch it, I get chills. When you write about this moment in the book, you have Billie Jean King's famous quote, pressure is a privilege in the chapter. So what was the pressure like for you? Well, it was a, it was a moment that nece- wasn't necessarily planned. I was there to demonstrate the accuracy shooting competition. And that was just demonstrate. So that would have been during a commercial break for the fans uh, at the SAP center in San Jose. So not on television, but still an incredible moment, especially for the 20,000 people who are in San Jose to watch the all-star competition. And so uh, when Nathan McKinnon came down with a lower body injury and couldn't skate, I was named his replacement. And so it was like, well, I didn't really prepare for this, but you know, I, I told myself, it, you know, it's like riding a bike. You've been doing this your whole life. Just skate how you can skate, believe in yourself, uh, enjoy the moment and embrace it. And I think the pressure of that moment was if I was to fail, if I was to fall, uh, the narrative would have been, I told you so girls and women don't belong in the sport of mm-hmm. hockey. All the people that, you know, all the same people that told me I didn't belong when I was six, seven, eight, nine years old. And, you know, still some that tried to a lot of people that try to say we don't belong and that our sport is boring to watch and no one will watch it. And, you know, all of, all of the um, things that unfortunately we hear more, more than, than the good things um, would have came to light under that, under that, 
um, pressure. And in that moment, alongside the NHL all-stars, um, it would have been like, yeah, see, she didn't belong there, but you know, with the way I skated and the way that I've always been skating my whole life and on that platform in that moment, uh, it just proved to so many people that girls and women do belong in the sport of hockey and they, they are as entertaining as, as the men. And we just have to put them on the proper platform so we can see them. And, and on that night, that platform was alongside the NHL all-stars who all approved that moment. I think that's one, one really cool thing is, you know, the players had to say yes to that. And all of them said yes right away, which is pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that, but they all had to, they had to approve it. Yeah. So all the players who skated in the competition got a message asking about me being a replacement for Nathan. I wasn't an, a PA player, so I wasn't a part of the NHL PA and the player who wins receives prize money. And that's obviously, um, you know, not being a paying member of the player association, you could see how that oh, there could nice. be conflict there. Um, and, and all the players said, yep, no problem along with the NHL PA and the NHL. So, you know, it just shows how, you know, while in that moment it was, you know, I was the only woman, but there were, there were, a team of allies who wanted me to succeed and wanted, wanted to support me and wanted to see this moment be as big as, as it was. I do remember Kendall watching that live and just screaming and yelling at the TV, but to your point of it in, in a good way, like, come on. And the thing that always blows my mind is the fact that it takes after you've won an Olympics and you've won world championships after world championships, it takes a moment like this to wake society up to the fact that women can compete. And that kind of drives me nuts, honestly, because it's like, wait, 14 seconds. And yet they've done all of this. And that is what. Um, but I, I get there's, you know, there's two sides to that coin and it is a great moment in terms of, um, it exposing, uh, women's sports to a larger platform, but I'm sometimes frustrated because it's like, yo, where y'all been? <laughs> Hello, yeah. we're good. Uh, We've been here. Yeah. And I will say like on the, the one side of the coin, um, you know, isn't necessarily always the, the viewer's fault. The viewers don't know where to go to find women's hockey. Yeah. Women's hockey isn't as accessible as men's hockey. So they've only, you know, been able to turn on the TV and what always comes on men's hockey. So that's what they've seen. They only see us every four years at the Olympic games, because that's really the platform that women's hockey has. So, you know, after that moment, uh, it was actually really cool because we had the rivalry series that, which started because in part because of our boycott from 2017 and we, we fought for more programming. So what was that more programming? It was the rivalry series. So all these people are like, Whoa, where can I, where can I watch these women play? Cause there were four of us there, my skate, including Brianna Decker doing incredible in the premier passer and Renata Fass and Rebecca Johnson from team Canada, who did a fantastic job as well. We all could turn and say, Hey, we're playing in this rivalry series in the next two weeks. It's on these channels, th these yeah. dates, these rinks, get tickets or turn on the TV and watch us. We haven't, it's so hard for us to do that. It's so hard for people to know when to, to, to watch us it's after the, after the yeah. Olympics, you know, how many people reach out? Well, when can I see you next? Right. And we can get into this topic too, but um, you know, it just speaks to the, the, to the need of a consistent product on a regular basis outside of the international programming in which players have a job that it's not, we're waiting till April to play. We're not waiting to, for a two week training camp uh, to put our nation's colors on and, and train alongside the best in the world um, from our country. We need the best in the world from all countries to play under one umbrella. And that's a professional umbrella on a regular and consistent basis. Like we see in oftentimes in, in men's sport, like we see in the NWSL, like we see in the WNBA and, and other areas. That's what we need in women's hockey. Oh, that was the perfect segue. Thank you very much. Where are we with this? Because last time in 2019, when we sat down and talked, right, we did discuss why you all are not playing in the one professional women's hockey league in the United States, um, because you don't have anyone from the Canadian Olympic team playing in that. You have no one from the U.S. Olympic team playing in that. Um, so maybe just give a little context on why not that league and where you are with hopefully a new league. Sorry, did you hear that? No. I saw you're, your face though. I was like, what did I say? No, my dad called me and I came up on my screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> your question was great. You guys, I will, I'm like, oh no, it was such a great question. I'm gonna. Call your dad back. My phone's on, dude. It has the little thing up there. Why does it keep ringing? Yeah. Do you I'm need sorry. to take it? No, hey, no. We can't hear it actually. That's you can't? interesting. Mm -hmm. No. I always worry that happens when, when I'm on a call that. 
No, we he's, don't hear it. He's probably butt dialing me. He doesn't know how to work his phone. To be honest. Um, <laughs> Are you okay if I leave all of that in? Because that's amazing. This is the reality of Zoom. Yes, you can. Your I just eyes was so... were like so big. And I was like, Cause... oh God, does she not want to talk about no, this? No, because your question was like perfectly stated, perfectly worded. And I'm like, I'm ruining it. I'm ruining it. I'm like sweating. You're I just ruining Podcast, there's nothing to ruin. Um, Everything. No, yeah. I Everything don't flies. Show. I don't care. You keep it in. I'm going to go off your, I'm going to go off your question of, you know, you ended with like, where are we from 2019? Right. That's yeah. kind of. And, and then, and also just to give some context of why you guys aren't playing in the current league, yes. which I think so, is always important for people to understand. Yeah. And so back in 2019, when we spoke, we, the CWHL, the Canadian women's hockey league had folded and we had formed the professional women's hockey players association. It was uh, May 2nd, 2019, officially with our um, great friends at Ballard Spar who agreed to work for us again, pro bono, as they do on the U.S. women's hockey side. John Langle um, has been a tremendous advocate for all women in sport, I think, for many, many years, Jules, yep. as you know. Our team, yep. Yep. So, <laughs> so it was one phone call. Uh, we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, we 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 heard the advice from Billie Jean King, from Alana Kloss, you need one voice. If you want to create change, you need one voice. And that one voice resided among the best players in the world. When the CWHL collapsed, we looked at each other. We said, we can't keep accepting the crumbs of women's hockey. We can't keep accepting $2,000 salaries, sleeping on air mattresses, Ubering to pregame meals, practicing twice a week at nine o'clock at night, practicing, you know, having games, a couple games on the weekends here and there and, and, and calling that professional. You know, we can't, we don't want this for us, but more importantly, we don't want this for the next generation. And how are we going to change this? If we keep saying yes to it and keep accepting it, it's never going to change. And so when the CWHL collapsed, we were at a world championship in Finland and the American and the Canadian players don't often sit at the same table, definitely not at a world championship. Uh, but, you know, before the tournament started, we got together, we said, look, we need to change this game forever. We need to take control of this game. We, the destiny is in our own hands. How do we change this game forever? How do we change the current landscape professionally? Because that landscape, that infrastructure doesn't allow us to be professional. And so we sought out to, to create something that has never existed before in women's hockey. And, and that professional infrastructure that allows players to be professional, that brings the best players around the world under one umbrella, that means visas, that means international support to have the best players in North America playing under one roof. That means not having a full-time job. That means practicing at least six days a week, usually with one day off. That means this is your focus is being a professional athlete. Everything we know as professional, that's what we deserve. Not, not what the game currently has to offer. And, and that's all that the game has to offer. We are working so hard to build a league that that focuses on the elements of professionalism. And that doesn't that has yet to exist in, in the world. And that's what's yeah. that we're so excited about. And and I, I will have to say these last three years haven't been easy. We've yeah. remained united. We've stayed. You know, we've we've built this plan. We've, we have a vision and we've stuck together through it all. And to do yeah. this through a global pandemic, I mean, is another layer on top of it. But I'm so proud because where we're at right now, we, we have collectively brought in enough money to be able to hire consultants to build a league that has had our voice at the table through it all that we are now able to go out and pitch and say, this is what we believe in. This is what we believe is professional. Do you want to be a part of this? And, and the conversations are so exciting and, and knowing that this has never existed before. Right. This isn't about trying to put anyone out of business. This isn't, a, this isn't about trying to take opportunities away from women in hockey that currently exist. These are trying to create more opportunities and opportunities that we know are what professionalism is about and that it should be when it comes to women's professional hockey. I work in men's professional hockey. I see it every day. My husband, he plays professional football. I see it and live it every day. I know what women's hockey has and I know what women's hockey doesn't have and that what women's hockey doesn't have in our current plan it does have and that's what we're working to build so you have been and 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 talk about like rolling up your sleeves and putting sweat equity into this you i know and, and jana hefford as well canadian superstar uh, hall of famer um have and the players have and and mind you this is historically what i feel like women have always done is we get shit done okay you we're going to just figure it out people like let's get it done so you've you've gone to the detail of okay you know how many months what will it look like you know what are the best cities what do the fans want correct in terms of building out what the model looks like and that type of detail yeah and what's been great about all of that is we've 
been surveying the players, the players, you know, we have a nine person board because we are a players association. So nine players on our board, including advisors. And these players are national team players, non-national team players, retired players, current players. So our board is extremely diverse in, in the opinions and the experience, which has been incredible throughout these last three years of, you know, what, what is reasonable? You know, we have to be realistic to ensure that, that this league is sustainable. Do we want to start where the current, you know, professional leagues are? Of course. Do we want to be on charter flights every single day? Of course. But if we want the young girls who we who we see and talk to every day that want to be us, that want to play professional hockey, if we want them to have the opportunity, we need to be smart with where we start. And that's been a big part of, this, of the sustainability of this vision. And the, I think the other part is people always, when they talk about women's sports and, and pay, it gets, you know, it gets people's panties in a bunch in a way that I've never seen before. The pay hasn't been the, the primary focus of the players. It's the professionalism. You know, we're talking about having tape in the locker room and towels and a place to shower. You know, we're not talking about chartered flights and, you know, yes, that we will get there. We, we do have these conversations, but the lack of professionalism, professionalism in women's hockey is so low right now. The only way to go is up. And I think that's what I think is important for people to know. And going back to your, your question a little bit ago, Jules, when you said like, you know, when was enough enough? I think, you know, I, we look to your, your, to you 99ers all the time. And, you know, for, yeah, same question for you, right? Like you, when did you guys say enough was enough? I think I read your stories of like how you guys did it. And you just, you know, like, and you know what you you realize you look left and you look right. And you're like, guys, no, one's going to change this for us. And you look around the room and said, it's going to be us. And you kind of have that moment and and not that we were necessarily waiting for someone to do it. We were just kind of living in the routine of like, all right, find your ice every day, find your own strength coach. You know, when you get out of college, find a job that's going to let you continue to play hockey and Mm -hmm. gives you the benefits and the health insurance that allows you um, in case you get hurt playing hockey to, to still play hockey. And, you know, even for me, I I got a full-time job right away out of college because I knew I needed to. And so you kind of just get stuck in that, in that way. And then you kind of, this is so dysfunctional. We need to change this. And I think what really hits me is when you start to engage in the community and for, you know, I'm in, I'm in the community of, of young boy, boys and girls playing hockey, thousands of them all summer long. I love it to death. I love being out there. And and we talk about the dream gap tour that the PWHPA started. The reason for the name dream gap is to close the gap on what a young boy and a young girl can dream to become in this sport when it comes to playing professionally. And I look at the boys on the ice and I look at the girls on the ice. I'm like, of course, all these boys want to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course I did too, until I was seven, you know, and then what it's like, I want to play for team USA, but that's only one of 23 players. What about everybody else? Where does everybody else go? And as soon as you walk across that stage as a woman in hockey, you are filling out as many job applications as you can because you need that in order to sustain and to continue to play. And that needs to change. I I cannot tell you, and and I don't tell you enough, how incredibly proud I am of you for taking this all on because it's a freaking lot too, right? For how much work you guys have put into this. Like it just, like listening to you, like I well up because I'm like, Oh, it's hard. You're still playing national team. You're working full time with the Blackhawks. You're uh, you are training full time still because you're still playing, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then you're fighting for contracts with you know U- USA Hockey on top of it. It's just never ending. It feels like, right? Yes. And so, for you to take all of this on and the importance of that, and I know the thread that runs through both of our stories is Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss and their. A, a amazing mentorship and guidance and work as well, but it's tremendous what you all have, as players have done. Um, and I, oh, I just, I, I feel like you're so, you're so close to being there. It's going to get over that line. And I, I want to, I'm blowing as hard as I can to push it over that line. I'm like, come on, yeah. damn it. And you know how so close, you know how it feels when you're so close. It's just little, there's, there's days where it's just like the, the optimism. It's like the greatest thing. It could be the smallest thing, but it's the greatest thing. And that's what keeps you going. And I think, you know, for me, there's, there's definitely days of exhaustion. There's many, many days of exhaustion. I think even over these last three years, I've, I feel like I haven't slept. I've been constantly exhausted because of this vision, because of this dream, because we're building something that we know is going to change the landscape of the game that we all love 
so much forever. Um, we know the experiences, the friendships um, that this game has provided us, that this game has offered us, but there's so much more. And I think that's what is so fueling about it. And, and again, just being with in front of so many young people and boys and girls and seeing them on the ice, seeing how much they enjoy this game. I don't want the, the lack of joy that I've had um, through so many of experiences that have been because of my gender in the sport. I don't want them to have those same experiences. And so if you can wake up every day and, and ensuring that you can change the experiences that the kids who come after you don't have those same experiences, yeah. that they know they belong in the sport, they deserve a place in the sport and they, and, and they don't have to fight tooth and nail for their worth in this sport um, is exciting is what we're, we're trying to do and what we are doing and, and we're doing it, whether it's from a USA hockey perspective, a professional hockey landscape perspective, or just the game in itself. I mean, you can, you, you've seen so many more women being hired throughout the national hockey league. Um, and they're not, and, and they're being hired for their, their talent, for their yeah. experience, for their hockey mind, for the change yeah. that they can make and the, the ability to help that team win a championship. And, and that's what I love. That's what I feel every day. I go to work and that's why I can wake up every day and go to work alongside um, so many incredible mentors uh, that I do have and, and, and coworkers that I do have um, at the Chicago Blackhawks. We have a list with Cami Granado, assistant GM with the Vancouver Canucks, Megan Duggan, our pal with the New Jersey Devils, manager of player development. Amanda Kessel just got a fellowship with the Pittsburgh Penguins, your role with the Chicago Blackhawks. What impact do you think it does have to have top women's players, former, current, in positions with NHL teams? Well, they, they belong in those positions. And right now, the, the infrastructure of the sport of hockey is in, within the National Hockey League. So when we talk about a scouting role, I can't sit here and tell you I know where to go in women's hockey to get a scouting role. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that's how far behind women's hockey is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I know where to exactly if I want to be a scout, I know exactly where I where I need to go. And that's in the National Hockey League. I want to work for the best. I want to be with the best. I want to be at the pinnacle of the sport. And right now, a lot of these positions you see women being hired in are within the National Hockey League. Do I see us getting to a point where these positions will be equal in men's and women's hockey? Absolutely. Would I love to see Cami Gernado being an assistant general manager of a women's professional hockey team? Of course. I hope she would pick me. <laughs> but, but, you know, right, ne- right now, the pin- you know, the jobs that we hold in the National Hockey League are the pinnacle. And for a lot of us, we've strived to be in the pinnacle of this sport, whether that's in men's mm. hockey or women's hockey, we have always strived to be at the highest and at the best level. And as players for us, that's always been the Olympic games. Now I can't wait for that to change to be professional hockey and the Olympic games simultaneously and not just the Olympic games, you know, but then there's also uh, the roles that we have within the national hockey league. Are they important? They're incredibly important because I will say like when Cami got her job as a scout with Seattle before her general manager job with the Vancouver Canucks, I scratched my head and said, wait, I can be a scout. Mm. I, I said that to myself and and I called her, I had a conversation with her. And, it, you know, what's been incredible is in my role at the Chicago Blackhawks, I've asked, you know, can, can I go and scout some games? Can I get some experience scouting? Absolutely. Mm. They send me to rinks here, here, and here. And I have that experience, but I never thought that was possible until I saw Cami, just like I was when I was a kid. You know, so I know Cami is a common thread through my story, but I saw her as a player and I wanted to be a player. I saw her as a scout. I wanted to be a scout. But I think the roles that that people see us in within the National Hockey League, it's the most visible platform of the sport that we have. And there's a lot of young girls that say, well, I can do that one day, too. I was on the ice with our players downtown Chicago and just, you know, doing doing my thing, just coaching. And they were being players. We were just having a good old practice. And um, I got an email through my website from from a young girl who uh, said she wants to be a coach of the Chicago Blackhawks one day. <laughs> and it was there weren't many people in the rink. It just shows the importance of visibility and, um, you know, the importance of these organization organizations valuing men and women equally in, in the roles that they see fit for the individual. Your leadership over the years from young player on that 14 team to, oh, captain, my captain on this Olympic team, the evolution uh, has been so fun to watch. What do you think matters the most to you as a leader? What matters the most to me as a leader is, is 
being all ears and being all eyes and um, making sure that everyone feels that their voice is included, that their voice is important. And especially when you're a captain of an Olympic team or a national team, um, it's, it's a pretty easy role because it's a roster in a room filled with leaders. Almost every person sitting in that stall has worn a letter on their jersey at some point in their career. And so knowing the value that every single person in that room brings is something that is important to me as a leader, knowing, you know, I may have a letter on my jersey, but just because you don't doesn't mean your voice isn't as important as mine. It doesn't mean you can't bring something equally as important to the table as a captain can. So you don't ever say, hey, do you see this? It's a C, a big C on my jersey. <laughs> Shut the hell up. You don't ever say that because I might be tempted to. <laughs> I love that they put the big C on the jersey. Yo, yo, I'm the captain, okay? <laughs> well, could you imagine how how funny like an armband around our shoulder pads and elbow pads would be? <laughs> like Trying to get it over. Be like, <laughs> be like extra large one. I mean, that would look kind of look kind of funky, don't you think? Oh, I love the big C. Well, it's like um, I'm having a flashback to the interview we did with Carla Overback, where Jules, I think you told the story of how maybe a veteran player was given a younger player a hard time. And Carla went over to that player, the veteran player, older player and said STFU, (laughs) essentially, and that there was a respect level for every single player on that team, no matter if they just came in or had however many caps. Yeah, well, Lynn, you bring up a really good point too. I think, I think all captains are a reflection of the captains that they've had who have come before them, and I think you know the the captains that came before me, Megan Duggan, Julie Chu, Jesse Vetter, and others that you know you pull a little piece of their leadership style into your own. Yes, you're your own player. You have to be your own voice and your own advocate in your own way. Um, but I think all captains and all leaders are a reflection of those mentors and leaders who have come before them. And for me, like, again, just being a sponge and being able to grow up and be young and learn from so many incredible players and leaders who have come before me, um, not just on the U.S. team, but but other teams as well. And um, that's another reason why I just love also reading books about other athletes, because you can pull some of their leadership styles or some of the things that they've done that have impacted others. And I think that helps you become a good leader when you have the ability to learn from, from others. And so um, I think that's been an important part of, of my leadership process and trying to continue to get better and grow. Um, There's no perfect leader and leaders are going to make mistakes. And when you do make a mistake as a leader, it's, it's, it's big. And it's how you, how do you learn from that? And um, I think, you know, there, I don't think if, if for anybody who's been a leader on any team, um, whether it's, you know, in the office, it's on the pitch, it's, it's on the ice, whatever it is, uh, being a leader through these last two years during a global pandemic has been no easy task. Um, it's been daunting. I mean, we've been trying to do, I remember two and a half years ago, trying to do Zoom workouts and we were getting people on on Zoom workouts, trying to stay together, not getting camps canceled, tournaments canceled, trying to stay together, trying to hold you know our standards as, as high as we can when we're not even with each other, when we don't see each other, when you know trying to continue to communicate with each other, when everyone is processing everything we're going through in a different in a different way at a different speed. Um, and it, it was, it was really, really hard. I mean, even the six months leading up to the Olympic games, we weren't in a locker room together until we got to the Olympics. Oh, we had to be separated and just the, the camaraderie, you, you guys know the excitement and the joy of I being know, in a locker room and then doing that with, you know, a mask on your oh. face, not really being able to see like, you know, the smiles and, um, you know, that that's why we love the sport is the team aspect of it. And just these last two years, um, with the pandemic being with a team and together has been, was restricted for, for obvious reasons, uh, which has allowed us to play. So we understood it, but trying to, to keep everyone together and motivated and excited when we didn't know what our next turn was, was very difficult. Clearly your leadership during this difficult time is what helps sustain the team. And one of the things you're doing in addition to everything else to sustain women's hockey is you have your girls hockey camp. Mm -hmm. And I looked it up. It looks like it's already sold out for this summer. I was wondering if there's an age limit where maybe Julie and I could get in on it. (laughs) It looks really cool. Oh, no. 
Do you, Jules, do you remember last time we were on the ice together? <laughs> <laughs> do you have to go back to that? Do we have to? You know, Lynn resurfaced that video of me trying to shoot. <laughs> That's why it was top of mind because I feel like that video was just resurfaced and I feel horribly uh-huh. about it. <laughs> Oh, that was one of my greatest producing oh, moments of God. all time. Do not feel horrible. That was the best. I laughed so hard. The glove came flying off. Remember? Is your elbow still bruised? <laughs> no, because I had all my damn pads on. You guys are like, you're like mummies. You're like wrapped like mummies. It still like hurts, though. It still hurts. Oh. It's like the Michelin man trying to get on that ice. Come here. <laughs> but yes, there, there is an age limit, but if we are all in the same place at the same time, um, I think we should do a one for one. I get some soccer lessons and you guys get oh. some hockey lessons. You know, now that I'm a part of the, the red stars ownership group, I'm learning soccer at an accelerated rate. And I need it. I, I need some, I need some tips. I know. Um, I, you know, the one thing I don't think hockey players could do if they were to get on a soccer field is, um, there's no line changes and those shifts are way too long. <laughs> I know they're not shifts, but like no one gets off the field. I'm like, you're be tired. Hey, I need a sub. Why can't I come in and out? Let's go. 45, sec- 45 seconds max, not 45 minutes, 45 <laughs> seconds. Oh, but it's been, it's so been a- hard to call it a hockey game because of all those darn line changes. We were just <laughs> talking about that the other day. Oh, I, lo- I love listening to you. It was, a, I was watching that big win. Was it, was it Uzbekistan? Uh, Uzbekistan, the global world power of Uzbekistan. Yes, nine yes. No, yeah. thank you for watching. Of course, I love that I can turn on the TV. I know exactly when, where, how to find mm. the US women's soccer team. It's again, it's something that it's we look to, we turn to, we look up to, um, and yeah. we want to continue. You know, it's been great because I think when you look at whether it's WNBA, when it's when it's US women's soccer, like we look up to what they all have done, and we yeah. know what's possible. They push us. They keep continue to yeah. set the standards for women's women's team sports specifically. And, you know, we see what they do, what they accomplish. We see their following and we know what's possible for women in hockey. Um, so yeah. I, I'm You're always get there. You are getting there. Kendall coin. God <laughs> bless. We it. are. We are. I think we're, you know, we're, we're a few iterations behind that's for sure. Um, but you know what, it's, it's pretty incredible that a, a path has been, has been blazed for us to to run down and to follow and to learn from, including, of course, you you and, and your teammates um, and the current teammates. So we'll we'll get there. But there there's there's those out there showing what's possible and yeah. that it is possible. Yeah. Well, let's hope you're a few iterations behind in the Lynn game um, and only the Lynn game because I need a win, Kendall. Oh goodness. Our last episode with Beth Mowens. Uh, I love Cole. her. She's she's amazing. She's, yeah, give that episode a listen if you if you need a laugh. And she I, smoked me. Yeah, smoked. Smoked. She so she yeah. did uh, her first. Uh, it was a was it Sunday night or mo- what was her first? Was it Sunday night or Monday night football? Mon- what was her? Yeah, Monday. What, yeah. So her Monday first. Night. Yeah, her first Monday night football game was uh, a Broncos game. It was Broncos Chargers and Michael was in it. And I said, I will not be going. I will be listening. Ah! Are you serious? <sighs> Kendall, That's you're amazing. So rad. What a story. Gonna, yeah. Well, obviously that. clip that off and send to her. But you yeah. know, Michael, he was like, I would too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, know, you guys know Michael. So him. yeah. I love yep. him. Oh yeah. Kendall, do you have your noisemaker ready? <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's good. Lou, come here. Yeah, here comes Swaggy. (laughs) All right. Even wake up. (gasps) This is your second time playing a game, Kendall. If you remember the last time we played, the theme, do you remember the theme by any chance? Olympics, maybe? It was music in honor of Megan Duggan and her incredible voice. Um, And that look indicates that that was not a topic that you were (laughs) going to excel at, Kendall. And I I remember you saying you're much better with sports than music. So the theme of this game is sports. Okay. 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 Five questions, best of five wins, 
all multiple choice. When you think you know the answer, you can squeak in whenever. Are okay. we ready? Yeah. Question one. Which NFL team has their logo on only one side of their helmets? Is it uh, A, the Pittsburgh Steelers, B, the LA Rams, or C, the Chicago Bears? <laughs> Julie. Chicago Bears! Incorrect. Oh, Kendall, your choices are the Steelers or the Rams? Steelers. Correct. Oh, God. See, I did it again. I jumped in too soon, and then I make it 50-50. I really felt like I had that with the Bears. You, you did answer confidently. I did. Though incorrectly. Question two. Dang it. What WNBA team has the most appearances in the finals? Is it A, Kendall? Sorry, no. <laughs> Premature squeak, you gotta go. <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. Keep going, keep going. I was gonna say go Sky because they won the championship last year and I got really excited. <laughs> you know what? We're giving you a mulligan. Yes. I consulted with the judges, mulligan yeah. allowed. Go Sky though. <laughs> WNBA champs. <laughs> okay, so which WNBA team has the most appearances in the finals? Is it A, the Minnesota Lynx, B, the Seattle Storm, or C, the LA Sparks? <laughs> Who was that? Was that you, Kendall? Go for it. Sparks? Incorrect. No! See, Julie held off there. She was being strategic. She doesn't know I the did, answer. I did, I did, I did, I <laughs> did. Yeah, now it's 50-50 okay, for you, 50, Jules. 50-50, baby. Lynx I'm or the storm. I'm going with the Minnesota Lynx. Correct. Boom, 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 boom. I was going to say that first, but I just wanted to make sure. Okay. Oh, okay, one-to-one, one-to-one. Question three. How many NBA championships did Michael Jordan win with the Chicago Bulls? Is it A, six? B, eight, or C, ten? Is that Six. a squeak, Kendall? That was, a, you squeaked in? Yeah. Six is correct. Yeah, I was going to say six. <laughs> I should have gone with it. Now I'm doubting myself. Thank God, the psychology of it all is crazy. <laughs> Julie, you got, you've gotten in your own head somehow. I'm in my head. Call Dr. Hacker. I know. Exactly. I need Flash. Oh, Flash kicked my arse on the game. And then she was like, oh, did a little dance. And then she wanted a plaque. I have not sending it to her. Okay, Kendall, I think you're up 2-1. You can take the game with this. Okay. Question four. Who is the most decorated Olympian of all time? A, Jackie Joyner-Kersey. B, Carl Lewis, or C, Michael Phelps? Michael Phelps! Julie, Michael Phelps! Correct. Woo! 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 Two-two! All right. One more, one more, Spikes. One more. Question five. What is it called when a bowler makes three strikes in a row? Is it A, a chicken, B, a hen, or C, a turkey? A turkey! Who knew it would come down to my bowling prowess? Oh, yeah. Second place once again. <laughs> I think you may have been third place when we played with Megan, Kendall. So you have to come back on. We're going to get... Yep. Improvement. Improvement. Hey, you, as, long as, you get, as long as you get better every time, you're winning. <laughs> Growth mindset. Most pressing questions, Kendall. You have an epically awesome game face. Can you walk us through the finer <laughs> points of an epically awesome game face? What goes into it? I think it's just, I'm ready. I don't know. It's just that I'm ready. You don't really think about it. You don't look at it. It's just, that's what happens when you're ready. I always feel like my game face looks like I'm constipated. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, you know, when in uh, photo shoots, they'd always be like, give us your game face. And I'm like, I'm 
giving you any game face. Because that looks like I got to take a poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> and no Wait. one wants that face. The poo-poo face is not good. Did you bring me on the pod because you knew you could beat me in the, the game? <laughs> See? Now it's in your head. Call Colleen. Call Flash. <laughs> You're like, what was the my, last one? I think what my squeaky the, toy was too big. Yes. Yeah, um, because yours was like, you were like right in yeah. it. Right in there. I, want I even one. knew the I knew the last one. I yeah, what do you it. call when you get three strikes in a row in bowling? Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're gonna have you on again. Okay. Need to make that happen. All right, my or, no, no, sorry. I didn't know the last one. Turkey was gonna be my guess. I wasn't. I knew Michael Phelps. You knew Michael Phelps. Yeah, but I, you oh. were you were quicker to the to yeah. the dog toy. Oh. Yeah. See, so here's the thing: is it might happen where when I'm editing this. You might have squeaked in first. Sometimes that's the, the tricky thing of Zoom. And if that happens, then I'm yeah, retroactively no. making you the winner of the game. I don't think that game. happened. I think that the VAR will show that there was no early squeakage by Kendall in that position. It was Julie who squeaked in first. Okay, yeah, Kendall, my most pressing question is actually not a question. It's really just a statement because um, I just think you and Michael are so stinking cute together. And uh, for listeners, Schofield, not Phelps, to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and to make sure uh, our dope village knows, Michael is six foot seven, right? What? Three hundred pounds? Three ten. Three ten. Okay. He won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos, as we were discussing, an NFL. Uh, guy for nine seasons now you are five foot ten two it five foot one and three quarters to be fair i'm giving you five foot two uh i'm guessing not even 100 pounds soaking wet and yet during covid my favorite video still is <laughs> i was just watching it yesterday he crawls first he squats kendall like they're doing COVID training, you know, everyone's trying to figure out new ways to train at home. He's squatting Kendall, then Kendall gets off his back and, you know, six foot seven, 310 pound Michael is standing next to her. She, he crawls on her back <laughs> like a monkey. And she, his, his feet are not touching the ground. Proof, you can see it in the video. She squats him not once, not twice, not three times, five times she squatted him. And I, every time I was like, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself! <laughs> ah! Ah! <gasps> yeah. Well, okay, full disclosure. Oh. He we ordered a set of dumbbells, you know, during COVID workout equipment was really, really hard to get. So we got a set of dumbbells and they weren't that heavy. And he's like, I just need to find a way to do more weight. Like I gotta find <laughs> something. And then he like looks at me, he goes, Wait, can you get on my back? And like I squat you. And I was like, seriously? He's like, Yeah, seriously. I was like, okay. Like he was very serious. I get on his back and then he puts me down and I turn to him. I go, okay, my turn. And he goes, wait, are you serious? I go, yes, I'm serious. And he was like, well, I'm not responsible if you get hurt. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And he was just like, he knows I'm kind of crazy and we work out all the time. So he had full faith and confidence in me. And I think, I mean, he was a little, it was a, he was a little nervous obviously, cause it's yeah. just the weight distribution. And like, he's so long, his feet kind of he was trying not to let him hit the floor because I'm not very tall. Um, but he was like, okay. Like he didn't really like think twice about it. He was just like, all right, she's serious. And you did it with such ease. It was like, oh my God. Jules, we call them <laughs> hockey butts for a reason. Hockey butts. I, I want a hockey butt. I want to be able to squat 310 pounds. Okay. High, low, cheer. The last segment we do. We do it around the dinner table with my kids, high of their day, low of their day, and someone they cheer for. For you, Kendall, it's high of your career, low of your career, and the cheer is for someone who's helped you along the way. So we okay. will start with your high. Uh, and it can only be one thing. Yeah. We well, last sometimes. time last time you were on, you I think you gave, it, it was either, I think it was in the highs, you gave a bunch of highs, and we allowed it. So you go as many highs as you want. And I wonder so how much consistent. Yeah. On brand is what you're saying. <laughs> Kendall on this podcast, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Can we go back to the game? 
You know what? I really want to whip up a new game, and while you give high-low cheer, I'll just come up with five new questions. Oh, no, it's okay. I got to accept my loss and get better from it. Um, so highs, right. I would say the high of my career, um, there's a couple. I think it would be winning a gold medal, um, the fastest skater competition, um, playing college hockey and getting education at Northeastern University, uh, my full-time role with the Chicago Blackhawks, um, and I think most importantly, it's been the relationships, the people, the experiences that I've been able to have along the way uh, through this sport. I think I couldn't imagine my life where it would be right now without the sport and without the experiences that the sport has provided me. And I think that's why I love to encourage as many kids as I can to, to pick up a sport of any kind, because it brings you so many more things than just wins and losses, trophies and medals. It's, it's the experiences, it's the people, the relationships um, that will last with you forever. Um, while your metal or whatever it is collects dust on a, on a shelf somewhere. Um, but the relationship you'll always have and cherish. Um, so I think those are my highs. And then the second one is my low. lows. Um, I think athletically, I think a low would be, um, you know, both silver medals in terms of, you know, the outcome that we wanted, the outcome that we worked for. I will say an Olympic silver medal is an, is an incredible feat. It's, it's one to be celebrated and supported and, um, and we have felt that way from so many people. Um, but in my athlete, um, mindset, my, our goal was a gold medal. So to fall short, um, is something that I would consider a low that I want to turn into a high. Um, and I think another low would be, um, you know, the lack of infrastructure and support that, that women's hockey currently has professionally. And, you know, the experiences that I've had specifically since graduating college, these last six years, uh, they've been extremely challenging. Um, and it's been a grind. It's it intrinsically um, just it's demanding uh, to wake up every day, find your ice, find your weight room, yeah. find a coach to, to be able to sustain and perform at the highest level. Um, and so often we're all by ourselves in doing that. And so I think that would be a low that I another low that I look forward to changing as we talked about. And someone um, who has supported me, I think. Um, and we, we talked about him already, but uh, I, I'll have to give the shout out to my husband, Michael. I don't. I don't talk about him much in terms, I know everyone who knows me knows he's my biggest fan, literally and figuratively. And, um, you know, he is still so heartbroken. He couldn't be at the Olympics this year, along with all of our family and our yeah. friends. Uh, but I will say just, you know, some of the things we talked about over these last three years, um, you know, he has sacrificed a lot as well. Um, you know, whether it's me not being fully present, being on the phone a lot, traveling a lot, um, a lot, you know, I, I've, pursued every career and ambition that I've had. Um, and so has he, and we've had that, that, um, that relationship where even if it requires time away and, and sacrifices, um, you know, people, people will often, you know, say, Oh, like what, what, what's your guys like favorite meal or, and I was like, look at him. He does, he does the cooking because I'm usually busy working and, um, you know, he'll be the first, you know, I'll, I'll make dinner. You, you got your phone calls and he knows the goal and he knows the vision and the dream. And, um, you know, he's been all in on that as well from, you know, from, from behind the scenes. And, um, it's, it's been a lot of, it's a lot of sacrifice and it's been a lot of time away from each other, but it hasn't changed, you know, our love for each other. So I, I would have to give him the shout out. Mm. Michael. <laughs> oh, that is so adorable. He and blue so and blue. <laughs> yeah. And blue. Of course. She has to and listen blue. to me sometimes talk on my walks, you know, she's probably like, what is this creepy? We've been talking about again. <laughs> She's always chatting. Yeah. Um, you did mention quickly that you were a uh, Red Stars owner, one of the ownership groups, Chicago Red Stars. So I think to close out this show, let's put a little wager down. I, I looked at the NWSL schedule because I think you know I'm an Angel City owner, right? We're fellow owners. Own that shit, people. Own that shit. Okay. So August 14th, a dozen donuts to the winner. Okay. The other person has to buy. I know I'm getting a dozen. I've already picked my spot. All right. That's a deal. Can we, can we, can we add a dozen donuts, but let's do a baker's dozen. And that extra one is a dog toy. (laughs) A fast squeaking dog toy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, you did start really well, which, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in the pod is very important. So 
It's just you also have to, you know, you got to get in there at the end. You got you to stay alert, Kendall. Start fast, finish strong, yeah, right? You got to finish strong. You know, when the Lynn game really got its start, I just had no idea how many lessons would be derived from it. Linearisms. Linearisms. Lin, Lin gameisms. I kind of like linearisms. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, there was also a part of the episode where Kendall's dad called, and Kendall was basically like, "You can, you can, you can edit that out. Edit that out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." <laughs> Her eyes got so big. I thought it was something I had said. Uh, and Kendall texted us after the episode to let us know that, <laughs> as it turns out, her dad called three times during the podcast to tell Kendall that he got the wordle of the day. That was the big yeah. news. That is big news. It's huge. I have to celebrate that. Huge. That was funny. I got a good snort out of that one, actually, off the text. I wrote back in the text chain, I only wished I'd had, I'd had Kendall pick up the phone where we could have experienced that live with her that i missed that producing moment i know all right takeaways i just respect kendall so damn much for how hard she works for the sport of women's hockey and wanting for everything to be better for the next generation she's not just doing this for herself or her peers it's all for the betterment of the game that she passionately loves and for me it was another great reminder that the needle moves in women's sports when you have players pushing that needle, not waiting for others to push it. And when you don't have willing players putting in the work and dragging that pendulum literally across to the other side, like Kendall is doing, status quo wins and there's stagnation. How many examples do you want from the past, Lynn? BJK, Venus Williams in tennis, Cammie Granado, Megan Duggan, the Lamb Twins in hockey, our U.S. soccer team over generations now, WNBA's Laisha Clarendon, Neko Gwumbake, before that, Don Staley, Tamika Ketchings. Do you want me to keep going? I think we could go all day. I know. And it's these players who roll up their sleeves and say, okay, enough. We should no longer be an afterthought. You have to take action not wait on others. And I think the younger generation understands this so well. And it's and it applies to, obviously, not just women's sports, but life. So that was another great reminder. When you hear the angst and ernst in which she's doing this work and creating a league on their own, it's like, damn, good things happen when you put in the work, though. Yay, Kendall Coyne. Jules, you are fired up. Fired up. She got me fired up. I actually got almost like emotional in the podcast. Did you see yeah. See me? Mm -hmm. I started like welling up when I started thinking of all that's on her plate and all that she's doing and managing. And she cares like and everyone that works with Kendall, Johnny, Billie Jean, Alana. I was with uh, Billie and Alana recently at an event in Los Angeles. And both were just like, I mean, Kendall works so hard. These players work so hard. And again, to give another shout out to Alana and Billy and John Johnny, because they are side by side with her working just as hard. Um, but it's these players and their willingness to change the history of their sport for the better. Mm. Mm. You, li you lived it, too. You lived it, too. So you you yeah, you know exactly what she's going through right now. Makes me gets me emotional. Questions permitted. All right. This question from Instagram from Vicky Romberg. Ready for this one? That's not the question. Vicky would like to know, can you interview Lynn for an episode, please? Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> she would like a Julie takeover like you've been doing? <laughs> Vicky, that is a great idea. I would gladly do that. Let's start. Lynn? How are your bangs lately? <laughs> Going deep. <laughs> Come on, give him that story. That's good. 
Oh, gosh. I mean, we could do a whole episode on my bangs, to tell you the truth. I mean, I just have so many bang stories, including growing them out countless times and then bringing them back. So bangs are, you know, they're here. And I've, I think I've decided they're here to stay. Uh-huh. So is Taylor. Yeah. So here's, here's, the, here's the thing with bangs. They are work. You know, we're talking about work. Bangs require some effort. And they also require trims every once in a while. Uh, and I've had a lot of bangs, trims, horror stories. And sadly, one happened this past Tuesday. It's really defeating. And I, I showed her pictures. <laughs> I, brought my spe- I brought my specific bangs brush to show her how I style them. I, you even brought the brush? I brought a brush. Wow. I showed nice her level. exactly on my, you know, kind of right in line with my eyelashes. That's where they needed to hit, a little longer on the side. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. So I texted a friend. She pointed me in the direction of a salon where they got me in right away. Did you do, did you do it all caps? Bang emergency. <laughs> Bang emergency. It, it kind Bang of was. Bang alert. When I Bang called alert. the new salon... I explained what happened, and that receptionist was just <laughs> and they, was just so understanding and totally. She's like, happens every day. Totally we, got it. They should just be. Oh, that could be our next business. Business bang cleanup, <laughs> bang, bangers, bang bangerisms. <laughs> so I, you were part of. We do bangs. <laughs> Sorry, bangs trims permitted. Well. I will say I've seen you on Zoom, mm-hmm. and they look cute. So thank you. Thank you. You got it. You got it sorted. The bangs Ooh. are sorted. Ooh. It was <laughs> maybe we should do more Julie takeovers. I mean, the deep stuff we get into here. That's how I roll. <laughs> All right, and with that, we'd like to thank our dope village for once again allowing us to be part of your day. Hashtag banger. Thank you to our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporting Goods, and to Kate Diaz for our theme music. And remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. Jules, we call them hockey butts for a reason. <laughs>